Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the next installment of the SUS News Podcast Series, where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications that are relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I am your program host, Patrick Egan, and as always, let's say hello and welcome to our co-host, Mr. Gene Robinson. Hello, Mr. Egan. How are you, sir, today? I hope things are going well on the left coast. They are. It's sunny. You know, I forgot to turn the heat off. You can probably hear that. It's a you know, frosty 65 here. <laughs> I won't so, even go there. I know. So, you know, whew, where's my parka? I got to get that rolling. Um, yeah, so uh, how'd you like that introduction? I think we need to get, uh, you know, some more theme music. Well, yeah, you know, it's been, what, 70, 70 podcasts so far, and, you know, you've got the same uh, opening band. Uh, you know, can we maybe you know, change the tone a little bit? Is, is that possible? Well, I did think about some other theme music. i got to think more about that. I was really trying to find an Ian Dury and the Blockhead song to open with, but uh, <laughs> most of them are kind of off-color. But anyway, that's another story for another time. So, you know, lots of uh, lots of news Lots of new stuff in the news. Um, anything catch your attention that we need to talk about? You know, it was just one of those things. I'm sure like the, the record number millions of Americans that tuned into the Super Bowl, <clears throat> which, you know, I don't, I don't have a mule in that race anyway, so I kind of was going for the commercials. And what made me wonder is as you look at those sweeping vistas that they show – wonder how many of those cameras have a unmanned aircraft sitting on top of them. Gee willikers, that's a good question. I, you know, more and more, it's pretty funny. I mean, you can't, and I know you were, you had a couple of program uh, segments on local news. One last night uh, here locally in Sacramento, you know, a real estate agent's like, oh, all my high end, I use unmanned aircraft. I use drones. And a pilot wouldn't show his face on the TV, but uh, and I'm paraphrasing, but uh, basically the FAA lost the battle, was what the dude had to say, and he gets $500 a job and nobody's shutting him down. So, you know, it goes on. We've I think the FAA's lost the battle. Now, and it, you know, we got some fresh news from the FAA. I got a letter here this morning on the SUS News uh, editorial desk here from uh, Ms. Margaret Gilligan, Associate Administrator for Aviation Safety at our, our favorite three-letter um, federal agency. This hell. Okay, and it's a good one. It's very plausible. And it's sarcasm, if you couldn't tell. 
Now, I've made a request, you know, and I believe this was back in, um, this might have already been back in 2012 already. You know, I know there's, you know, timelines that they're supposed to work on. But anyway, um, this responds to your Freedom of Information Act requesting a copy of correspondence, memos, and documentation between the Unmanned Program Office and the Associate Administrator for Aviation Safety pertaining to the formation, chartering, and population of the Unmanned Aircraft Systems ARC, chartered June 17, 2011. That's the current arc with, you know, all of the yeah. DOD vendors on there. Yeah. You know, Understood. what I've been, yeah, you know, uh, petitioning to get on, small business guy might want to get a mule in the fight. Maybe, you know. But that one, you know, they said, well, we're well, not going to talk about smalls or small UAS. Uh, you know, no no worries. We got a small business guy on there. I asked if it was the guy from Raytheon or General Atomics. Still waiting to hear back, get the contact info for the small business guy. Anyway, uh, a record search was conducted to the Office of the Associate Administrator for Aviation Safety, AVS-1. We did not locate any records or files pertaining to your request. Please be aware that this search covered only the Office of the Administ- of Associate Administrator and that you will receive a separate response from the Flight Sti- Standard Service. So anyway, the upshot on that, there are no records, no correspondence, no emails, nothing pertaining to the formation of the Unmanned Aircraft Systems ARC. So, and, and you know, Les Smith and her name was on it. She's the one that, uh, Miss Gilligan is the one that, uh, you know, basically signed the charter for that thing, was the one who talks about who can be on it, but there's no records here. Nothing. No records, no files, nothing. Not even anything scratched up back of an envelope. <clears throat> you believe that? Indignantly outraged or just shocked? Hey, look, you know, I've been doing these FOIA requests since about 2008. <clears throat> what is it now? 14, six years, whatever. They, if you saw the way they dogged House members and Congress people, and the, yeah. the House members and Congress people just take it. I mean, if... if <laughs> If I was an elected official, you know, like a million people voted me in, and they sent me something like this, I'd be pissed. But, you know, they take it in stride. So I try to take it in stride. I'm taking the uh, federal elected official route that, oh, <laughs> maybe a couple of chuckles. Isn't that cute? But uh, that's what you're getting. Now, I have been told I got a couple, you know, there are a few moles in Prairie Dog Town. <laughs> and I was told yesterday that I'm beating the wrong people up. I really should be beating DOT up because the FAA has done their job. Although other moles would suggest that the management over there at uh, the UASIO office is akin to uh, being run kind of like Gitmo. I don't have to wear the orange jumpsuits, but it's a very oppressive and uh, scary place to work. So I don't know. Is it the management at the UASIO, or the FAA, or is it DOT? We got some other people. We got to ferret out too and see what's wrong. I, there, there's lots of stuff going on. But anyway, that was the update, and uh, now we're going to get uh, upward and onward. And I don't know, you know, if there was anything else that you wanted to mention real quick because I know that you were, like I said, in the news. Would you like to speak about that? Well, actually, your update has me speechless. You didn't prime me on that one, so I'm I'm quite shocked. Our, my my little appearances on the the, the local affiliates were really kind of 
minor compared to that one, so I think I'll just sit here and be quiet, Patrick. Well, you know, I just found it this morning, so I couldn't have alerted you to it. Um, but anyway, the uh, I know it's it's kind of uh, it is leaves renders one speechless. But that's that's your uh, public rulemaking process or your representative government at action. So what do you think I should do, Gene? Should I just you know write another story? You know, I'll be like a, I'm, I got five or six stories in the queue. Should I call her up? Should I say this is you know what what's going on here? What do you what's your advice? I would say that at the very least, a phone call is in order to to say, Peggy, really? Now I've got her uh, desk number here in my phone. Should I call that number or? Should I go through the the secretary? You, what do you say? I would go directly to the desk phone and say, "Peggy, really?" All right, I like that. It's signed by her too. I like that. I'm going to take that advice after the show today. I will give her a jingle. See what she's got to say. We're tight. Uh, Good friends. Very curious to hear how that goes. All right. Well, we'll see what's going on. All right. Well, you know, now the new format of the show is only thirty minutes. So we can't, you know, belabor the point too much that we're getting screwed. I mean, uh, that we're working through the process. Pardon me. Um, okay. So I want to um, I want to bring on our guest here. We have uh, two guests today, and they are from the uh, the Game of Drones, and we're going to talk about that. And one of them actually was a speaker at the Small Unmanned Systems Business Expo. Um, that everybody should go to www.susbexpo.com because this year's uh, speaker list is is uh, shaping up to be dynamic. We're going to have a lot of stuff going on there. Um, oh, and one other thing I wanted to note was the, the Drone TV Network. you got to go over there and check that out, www.dronetvnetwork.com. And... Uh, Check that out because it's pretty good. And this week's episode, or this month's episode, is actually about uh, our co-host, Mr. Gene Robinson. So go check that out. So, bringing on our guests, we have Eli Delia and Mark Kornblatt. And I would like Eli to come on first and introduce yourself, please, to the audience with a little bio and how you first got involved with unmanned aircraft systems. Oh, Mr. Robinson, Mr. Egon, very good to be with you this morning. I'm a big fan of your show. It's keeping me grounded, pun intended, <laughs> in the drone world. Thank you very much. Um, so your you bio about me, I guess uh, my background is in visual effects. I've been a lifelong roboticist and, uh, and, and uh, uh, very into uh, building robots uh, since I was a kid and um, since, I guess, off-the-shelf UAV technology made itself available. Uh, that's been my biggest passion in life right now is, is designing and developing various UAVs from multi-rotors to fixed wings and, and combinations thereof. Uh, my family and I also run Paintball Jungle here in Northern California, and that has been a fantastic test bed for all the various uh, UAV monsters that we've been uh, working on. Uh, Mark and I will go into the Game of Thrones and... Uh, what we've been working on there, but um, I guess with paintball, one of the uh, things that we've done, one of what I spoke about at the at the conference, was how we're using fixed wings in the air over the games to basically revolutionize uh, paintball. I call it paintball two 2.0, and it's um, I don't think it's a business model yet, but it's definitely something revolutionary. I'm very proud of, and we're working towards to um, 
throw out, and it's uh, the way it's changed the games is that we get to see the, the entire gameplay from the air, and we have uh, a, a, a red team and a green team um, UAV operator. They're both watching the same cameras, but they're updating their field commanders on the ground with uh, troop movement or, or player movement, and then they're updating their, their uh, troops to basically adapt to that game, and the games have uh, totally changed. They're now a lot longer. And, uh, and and everybody's adjusting to the big picture in real time, and it's very exciting. Um, the way hmm. we're going to kind of push it out. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, I was just uh, commenting. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the way we're, we, we it's basically a video connection right now that's going down to the ground operators, and from there we're going we're trying to move out. We're trying to move it out to the web, so basically the whole world can watch the games in real time and, and enjoy it that way. And I guess that's the big revolutionary thing. But, um, right. Th- uh, but um, what Mark and I, my partner in flight, are working on are, are, is, is something revolutionary in itself with Game of Drones. I think uh, Mark can tell you a lot about that. All right. Well, let's, uh, Mark. Maybe uh, we could bring you on, and you could uh, introduce yourself and give us a bio. Do the same, um, so we could get a little background on you, sir. Sure. Thank you very much for having us. It's a pleasure to be on the show. I've been um, building robots and uh, a technology researcher for the last 25 years or so. And Eli and I uh, go way back. We've known each other since. We were kids working backstage in theater tech together, uh, trying to invent the the future of theater technology. More recently, however, we've been more actively engaged with robotics and and drones. And about a year or two ago, we found ourselves forming up the game of drones out of an experience that we were having, which was we would join up with other robot makers and artists on Friday nights and have an impromptu underground fight club of our robots and of our drones as we started building drones. And what we discovered was the drone industry is still so young that the hardware and the tools and technologies that were available, while they may be terrific at flying around, absolutely failed when it came to the wear and tear of daily use, hard abusive use, especially the kind of uses that you would get in this kind of fight club where you're battling your drones against each other. And so out of that sort of crucible of drone combat, we uh, started developing airframes that could take the abuse and keep flying with a minimal amount of repairs needed. So we were really honing the idea of an airframe that wasn't just inexpensive and cheap to repair, but one that actually did not require any repair at all. And from that, we d- developed the Action Sports Airframe. We were making a bunch of videos about it and putting those up on YouTube. Um, and the response was so overwhelming that we were compelled to launch a Kickstarter campaign to try and uh, distribute these airframes and really kind of test the waters and see if there is really a market for them. And, um, in fact, it's been pretty successful. So I, I think uh, I think we will be... Uh, going into production after the Kickstarter and and launching these commercially. Well, I could tell you guys are excited about this because you basically ran through the whole show <laughs> in about five well, thanks minutes. For having right us. <laughs> yeah, it was great having you guys on, and uh, you know, no. um, yeah, well, it is kind of exciting, and uh, let's let's back it up a little bit because we did uh, kind of run through the whole sure. thing here. But um, you know, 
and Eli, you were you know you were a presenter at the Small Nine Man Systems Business Expo, and the thing that yes, kind of resonated with me, people were like, oh, you know, this this is this guy's out there. He's you know, I don't know if this guy's <laughs> ready for prime time and all the rest of that. But kind of uh, how you talked about Paintball 2.0, the concept that you yeah. had, and and what kind of resonated with me was that it was Paintball 2.0 with Web two and a half point five or whatever, um, mm-hmm. because instead of it just being something, you know, everybody talks about this, you know, virtual internet thing, you have this, let's say, amalgamation of virtual and real, where you can, and I know the concept, we're, we're getting out there because we're not there today, but the, the idea that I could be uh, in Poughkeepsie or Sheboygan on the computer and play via uh, internet, pay by credit card, and be part of a live action game somewhere else in the world. Would you like to expand on that? Well, you pretty much summed it up. I think that, that's pretty much it. Um, basically, with, uh, with drones in the air over the games, uh, right now it's just uh, two, two pilots talking to their teams. But um, very soon, and that technology is right around the corner, it's going to happen, I would say, in the scale of things tomorrow, that uh, anybody in the world can dial up and uh, watch the game live and be able to also talk to those teams and update them and give them good information or not through telepresence, basically. Basically, um, using the drones as, as, as a means to actually join the games themselves. And it's, it's on one level, you have active players. The games are going on in Northern California. Uh, a player in Texas can then join the game. But not only that, uh, parents can dial in through the drones and see what's going on in the games, what their kids are into, and then spread the word. So it's, it's, the viral potential is huge, and uh, right now, it, yeah, it is very underground, but I think it's going to explode once we, we, we have the means to show the world what we're talking about. So, right. And then I, I think pretty soon, you're going to see a lot of paintball fields try to follow suit. And so well, uh, I like, go ahead. Well, uh, you know, and then how you, you were telling me how you kind of got this idea, and that, you know, parents would be sitting out there in their car waiting for their kids to play paintball. Right. Right, and, and they'd have no idea what the games were really about. Right, exactly. So now, you, you and you were saying that they sit out in their car and they could actually like watch it on their phone or watch it on their iPad or watch it on their computer. They could sit there and, and watch what their kids are doing in real time and get a better understanding of what's happening. Right, but not only that, but uh, very soon actually interact with the games themselves in a very passive-aggressive way, I guess the ultimate passive-aggressive, <laughs> where you're watching it on the computer and then interacting with a live game. And uh, I, I totally encourage that. And it's just a matter of uh, some minor infrastructure, really. It's just a matter of these uh, repeaters getting to be a little better and the video signals getting to be a little more robust. And that is, it's happening around us. And we're just um, kind of developing our side. As the whole world develops the infrastructure, we'll just apply it. And uh, it'll be out there. And um, I think we're going to be the first field, but we are definitely going to be the, the crest of the wave of a huge tsunami of, of uh, in the sport. That and I, I, I imagine a bunch of sports are going to adopt that that method too. So um, it's something I'm pretty proud of and moving forward on. Uh, not fast yeah. enough, though. Yeah, well, I mean, it's an interesting. Uh, it's definitely it, it uh, caught my attention because of that leap 
between the virtual and the real world. That's yeah. that's yeah. what really got me is because, you know, everybody, oh, it's virtual this and virtual that, but now we're no, like no, virtual no. real and virtual. No, there's not going to be a line. There's not going to be a line in the way anymore. It's going to be live games. <laughs> and and uh, there won't be a virtual, any virtual about it. It'll just be live streaming games that um, people will have a way to get involved with. And I think right. our airframes are actually perfect for that. Yeah, well, and we're going to get into that. I wanted to, you know, I got the idea for this show, and we're, you know, we're going to talk about some other stuff here. But uh, you guys hosted the Make Drone Fly In. Uh, that was pretty cool, and a bunch of people oh, have so uh, posted some videos. But uh, any side notes on that event? Uh, I want them to happen a lot more, and I was really thrilled to see what other other developers are coming up with. And um, I think the uh it, it's a re- what I, what i liked most is that the all the kids were really went home very inspired there's a lot of adults flying but the kids that that were present at that got so much out of it and i think that's key that we're inspiring the next level of uh the future engineers and we're giving something tangible to play with and to take something they can make and then fly that is so inspiring to so many kids and i think um for that reason we need to keep doing it be it make right. be it us you know Definitely um, a family affair. Oh, absolutely. It was such a, uh, a family-friendly environment. It was just so much fun. And that's, I was buzzing about it for days afterwards, just how much fun we had. And, uh, and, and the thing is, is with those meetups, it's such an incredible meeting of the minds. I, you know, I, I, I had great conversations all day long with people with brilliant ideas and great technology. And uh, I, I thrive in that environment myself. I can't get enough of it. Right, right. I agree with that. Mark, any um, insights into the make thing? Yeah, absolutely. The um, the meetup was so much more well attended than we expected, and the attitudes were so enthusiastic and positive that we really discovered that that like that, that meetup wasn't quite enough. And the fly-in, where people just come and bring their drones and fly, even that's not quite enough. So in addition to those meetups, we've been hosting more formalized fighting uh, drone league nights that are based on the, the fight club that we started. But we're also realizing that we need an additional uh, sort of meetup to occur where it's, like Eli was saying, where it's really a meeting of the minds, where people are bringing their drones and showing them off. And it's not so much about flying and fighting as much, of it, as, much as it's about sharing discoveries, sharing advancements, and uh, exploring like the future of drone development together because one of the things that emerges from all of these meetups whether they're about the fighting or just the joy of flying is everybody out there seems to be inventing their own drones building their own solutions and coming up with really innovative ways of solving problems of cutting costs and of sort of personalizing the experience it's um, really unique to see such an early moment in an industry, yet that, that moment has been so seized upon by DIYers and makers and uh, kids who are just kind of interested in, in the technology and the, and, the, and the toys. And it's really interesting to see how this industry is not immediately dominated by the big military contractors and other big players. Just the opposite. It seems as if the groundswell of individual projects and individual motivation is really starting to dictate the kind of this next wave of, of perception of drones. And that's a very right. good thing to add that into the story, m- minimize the idea that drones are only these military killing machines, 
and emphasize the idea that drones are actually tools, robots, very inexpensive and very accessible. And in fact, to me, drones represent kind of what the Internet represented in the late 80s or early 90s. And the potential of the Internet back then, I see in the potential of drones today. Right. Now, I have a question. Do you guys have, like, you know, you have this fight club. Now, do you have, like, you know, team jackets like the Jets and the Sharks? And, uh, <laughs> funny you well, we do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you mentioned Jets and Sharks because that was, like, the first team names that I came up with as well. Um, well, what, the uh, nice thing is that the, the fighters are actually all kind of independent uh, teams or independent players. So we're going to encourage them to kind of come up with their own branded team names, uh, team colors and numbers so that we add more of the uh, sporting element to the games. Like I say, we started as an underground fight club with no rules and no structure. And in the last few uh, meetups that we've done, we've started applying structure, scorekeeping, and a league uh, infrastructure to the games. And with that comes all the things you're describing. We're going to have a scoreboard, and we're going to have an air horn for points, and we're going to have, in addition to the combat games, we're also going to start including... Um, uh, uh, challenges where you might do a follow the leader or a game of tag or chase. We also might do uh, obstacle courses for timing and points. So we're really looking to expand the ways in which drones can compete without having to be directly combative with each other, but kind of ex uh, spanning the entire range of uh, ability and sport within the, within the world of drones. So the recreation like the drones. demolition derby in the air. Yeah, the recreational drone of plenty. I like that. Yes. Okay, well, um, you know, that's all very interesting, and I like how you guys are looking at it, and I think that that's uh, that's good, and I think that acceptance through recreation um, is definitely something that we need to embrace, and I agree with you. There's a lot of misinformation out there about, you know, I, I keep hearing this, you know, oh, this is military technology. It's military technology, and it's I'm just, you know, beside myself. It's not all military technology it was RC technology. Well, that's an easy way to grab headlines. It is a military application. It is a, um, I think it's a poor way to grab headlines. I mean, it's a way to, it you is. know, get, get clicks on your website or whatever. But uh, realistically, I think that is, that is really uh, kicked this industry in the shins, but that's a discussion for another time. Cause I want to talk about, you know, uh, the Kickstarter. You guys have a Kickstarter going. And yes, we do. I, and I think, you know, people have different ideas about Kickstarters. You know, everybody, I, I've, I don't know how many times I've heard, oh, you got to go do a Kickstarter, oh, you know. And uh, I'm like, eh, you know, I, I think there's more to it than meets the eye. I don't think you could just say, well, I'm going to run out here and I'm going to fire up a Kickstarter and everyone's going to come and just, you know, load me down with money like I'm a DOD vendor. <laughs> you know, Kickstarter has been a really fascinating experience for us. We're about... 20 days into our 30-day uh, campaign. And it's been really fascinating. Uh, the results have not exactly been what we expected. For instance, it seems as if hitting your mark and reaching your fi uh, uh, fundraising goals, while that's definitely considered a success, these days on Kickstarter, that's not enough of a success. Meaning, in some ways, it's relatively easy to hit your goals, but if you really want to be kind of a success, you have to do three, four, five times what your original goal was, which is a really interesting um, sort of competitive nature within the world of Kickstarter itself. Um, so that's one thing that I noticed. So we hit our goal within about 10 days, and we're about 150% of goal, and we're really trying desperately to reach 200% of our goal by the end. And we've 
done all the Kickstarter campaign uh, techniques, including adding stretch goals, added additional prizes and, and rewards if we reach that goal. And uh, playing the Kickstarter game for all it's worth has been really fascinating. In addition to the fundraising, which is the primary reason we're doing it, one of the best things that has come out of Kickstarter is all the additional attention and marketing opportunities that have come to us through people looking at Kickstarter for investment opportunities, for interesting stories for their blog uh, or, or networks or TV shows. And so out of the Kickstarter campaign, not only have we sort of got our, our, the early start of our business going, but we've got a lot of uh, discussions going with, with television production companies who are interested in developing uh, programs or shows around some of the things that we're doing. We've got investors that have kind of come out of the woodwork to talk to us about what we're doing and possibly working together on projects as well. We've got distributors who are looking to be wholesale distributors of the product. Um, and we've got a million fans that have kind of found us as well. And I think many of the other Kickstarters out there are finding similar surprisingly similar results in that the Kickstarter is really one of the best marketing opportunities in addition to a fundraising opportunity. Now, all hmm. that being said, there's one other thing about Kickstarter, which is what you were starting to talk about, which is it's easy to kind of blow it on Kickstarter by not being well-focused and not really understanding why you might choose to do it. We have been not doing a Kickstarter for about three years as we waited for the exact right moment for the exact right project that really actually required the fundraising. There are a lot of Kickstarters out there asking for money that don't really even need the money. They're just kind of doing it as a way of validating the project. And those yeah. projects may have a harder time of it. So by waiting and not immediately jumping on the first idea, we have the Kickstarter. And by really honing that idea, by watching and waiting and looking at other Kickstarters' successes and failures, we've had a much better uh, time of it and hopefully avoiding many of the pitfalls that some of the other campaigns have hit. Well, I'm thinking uh, that, Gene, we need to do a Kickstarter for a live band for the show. What do you think? There you go. You know, that's, I, I think we ought to do that as a reward for someone investing in the show. Uh, <laughs> play on the show. How's that? Hey, there you go. You got a band? You got a band? You want to come up with a theme song? You know, that would be great. I, I'm I like a fan it. of that theme song. <laughs> you do? You like the theme song? Well, yeah, I, I like it fine. My... I think it's upbeat. <laughs> it's upbeat. It's good. Oh, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I dance to uh, it. Okay. See, you know, we got we got all kinds of fans here. Well, we're we're coming hey. down to wire. We got about twenty seconds left. Um, you know, can I get can I get the, the can we get the address of the Kickstarter so people could go there and give you some more money? Absolutely. You know, the Kickstarter URL is long long and complicated, but if you just search right. for Game of Drones on Kickstarter, you'll get right to it. All right, and you so can Kickstarter dot com slash Game of Drones. All right, excellent. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you guys uh, for coming on. Uh, we had a uh, that was a good conversation. Best of luck with the Thank Kickstarter you, and moving forward with that innovative thought. And uh, I guess we'll see everyone next week. Have a good uh, Have a good week. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Keep the stick back. We'll Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.